Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen. And bring a sense of humor, because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. From what I've seen on campus, I do think that at some point there's going to be a cluster of students who get COVID-19. Today we hear from Hannah Saad, a senior at the University of Alabama and the photo editor at the Crimson White, the school's student-run newspaper. UA begins the fall semester today, Wednesday, August 19th, and Hannah is on track to graduate in spring 2021. So there's obviously a wide gulf sitting between her and walking away with that degree in news media. These are obviously unprecedented times for everyone across the world, including college campuses, many of which are moving ahead with in-person classes, including UA this week. The school tested 25,000 students for COVID-19 as of August 16th, and they report that less than 1% have tested positive. But there remain questions about how the university will operate this semester, with more than 38,000 students back in town, creating new logistical challenges and concern that the school will switch back to online learning in the event of an outbreak. I spoke to Hannah Saad about the start of the University of Alabama's fall semester amid COVID-19, how the school has kept students updated on information and protocols related to operations and safety, and how the campus newspaper, The Crimson White, is approaching covering this school year. So I'm currently living out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm originally from Michigan, so I'm an out-of-state student at the University of Alabama. I'm the photo editor for the Crimson White. It's the student newspaper out of the University of Alabama. And basically, we've just been covering some stuff over the summer as it relates to coronavirus and protests. And we're just waiting for the semester to start to start ramping up our other coverage. Hannah, I covered bid day on campus on Sunday, and I saw you there, and there were not many of us media out there, and we were sort of under the impression that bid day would be virtual to a degree this year, but from your vantage point, what happened instead? Yeah, so what had happened was that um, the Alabama Panhellenic Association, which covers 19 sororities, They put out an announcement in July saying that due to the restrictions and due to the concerns around COVID-19, that all of the recruitment process would be virtual. So there were sororities that were hosting Zoom sessions when getting to know uh, the potential new members. But it turns out that when the bids were emailed to the new members on Sunday at 1 p.m., After that, those emails were supposed to contain details about, oh, let's come meet at the house. And they had a contract photo company out there to come take a class picture. So they needed all of the potential new members who were comfortable going to the house to gather at the house outside, all close together. Everyone was required to wear masks, but 
all the girls close together to get a group picture and to meet some of the other members of the house and go see the house. So, yes, most of the process was supposed to be virtual, but it turns out bid day, they very much had big crowd of people. There were, I think, 18 houses ended up having people that gathered outside the houses. Mainly it was students, but there was an announcement from the Alabama Panhellenic Association to say that they really asked parents and families not to be at midday activities because they weren't going to be allowed inside the house. There were parents and families there anyway. There were police officers there kind of enforcing social distancing guidelines from between the parents and the students. They didn't want the parents to be interacting with the students. And really, it was sometimes a struggle for parents and sometimes members of the Alabama Panhellenic Association to remind, especially parents and families, but a few students, too, that they needed to keep their masks on. And when you get the amount of people in those kinds of spaces, it was really hard to maintain social distancing. So that was kind of what happened there. Yeah, there was signage all around the area, especially in front of the sorority houses that said masks required, maintain six feet, encouraging social distancing. But when you're taking giant group photos and these groups of women are going from Tutwiler to their houses, it just proved to be an impossible thing to do to maintain social distancing, at least between the women active members in these pledge classes who were participating in bid day, even if the family members stayed as far away as they could. So, Hannah, you tweeted about your experience covering it, and there was a lot going on on Sunday. Obviously, it's been widely reported what was happening on the Strip with the large crowds and lines surrounding one of the popular bars, Galette's. And you even mentioned an encounter that you had with someone, presumably a family member of a student. What happened there? Yeah, so it was outside one of the sorority houses, she saw my camera and she asked me, she's like, excuse me, uh, who are you with? And I told her, well, I'm with the Crimson White, the student newspaper. She's like, no, no, I know, but do you really think you should be out here right now? Because there are many family members and parents who wanted to attend, but they couldn't be here. So it's really unfair that you got to be here. And I told her, well, ma'am, um, if I wasn't allowed here, that'd be a bit of a First Amendment issue. So she really tried to talk to some of the leaders of the sorority and try to get attention of like I think she tried to get attention of a police officer try to get me removed at that point I had got my pictures out I needed from that sorority house so I just removed myself from the situation but it was really some form of entitlement yes so you're saying presumably she was a parent and she's telling me well parents wanted to be here bit of yeah so that was a bit of an interesting situation really saying like should you be out here covering this it's like well there are thousands of women gathering on campus when the campus is trying to maintain social distancing in classrooms and all around in buildings. It's really interesting to see that the university was allowing this. So, yeah, I do think I should have been out there covering it. As a photographer, you have to be pretty close to the action. And while we can wear masks and we can distance as safely as we can, we still find ourselves surrounded by others, and most of them were in masks, but many were not wearing them. I wonder, what's your approach personally to staying safe in an environment like that when you're on an assignment and just trying to do your job? So when I'm on assignment, I'm always wearing a mask because 
if I don't know if I'm happened to be an asymptomatic carrier and I would feel terrible if I found out that I was the one spreading COVID to other people that I encountered there. I have a larger zoom lens that I've been utilizing more with news assignments so that it lets me maintain a better distance between me and the subjects that I'm taking pictures of. But yeah, sometimes I do have to be around small groups just to get those photos. I try to spend as little time as possible in those small groups. And then once I can get a chance to step away, I take that chance. And especially on a hot day like Sunday was, I've just found time to like go step away, be by myself, kind of take a look at the photos I've had, maybe edit some on my phone real quick and upload them to Twitter. Yeah, really just trying to limit the amount of time I spend directly by other people and try and distance myself between my subjects. Well, in the fall semester starts this Wednesday, tomorrow, as we're talking, and the plan is to hold in-person classes on campus. What have you learned about how this semester is going to play out? And I wonder, has UA kept you and other students pretty updated on those plans? So there was some confusion over the summer because the university has implemented different types of class structures. So there are classes that are purely face-to-face. And then they implemented some that were hybrid and some that they call audiovisual learning. And there was some confusion among students because the university hadn't really defined what made a hybrid class different from an audiovisual. It took them a few weeks to finally communicate and say, well, hybrid, you might have to go into class. Sometimes you might not. Audiovisual, we're just going to try and do it over Zoom. And then there are some classes that they've moved to be in a purely online form where the professor might just give out assignments and PowerPoint slides, reading materials, all in an online format and does not require any face-to-face interaction. I think the university acted faster with when it came to housing because they had from March till the beginning of August to implement a plan and to get those dorms cleaned. They were a little slower when it came to they're going to need beds to eventually quarantine students in. And I think it was AL.com that reported that they had taken two dorms that are typically used by upper graduate students for renting apartments and had cleared those for quarantining students who may have either contracted COVID or came into contact with someone who contracted COVID and are renting off-campus apartments for those upper-level undergraduate students who had rented apartments on campus and are moving those students there. So it was a little slower because especially if you're one of those students living in a dorm that you were expecting to live on campus and the university tells you about two weeks before classes start, hey, you're going to be actually living off campus. That was a bit of a shock for some students. But overall, the university has been trying to keep students informed. All the students are required to wear masks. I've been around campus It's a little bit mixed right now with students, some students wearing masks everywhere on campus. There are some students who are exercising and may not be wearing masks. And then there are some students that are in groups. Some of them are wearing masks. Some of them have them pulled down over their neck instead of over their mouth and their nose. They've also labeled buildings with this door is entrance only. This door is exit only. So it'll be really interesting to see when classes start, whether students are one, adhering to those social distancing guidelines on campus, especially when you look at 
road intersections and going in and out of doors. And two, whether they're going to be adhering to this door is only an exit, this door is only an entrance. And really three, seeing how many people are going to be in in in-person classes and going to be in those buildings, maybe even in the Ferguson Center getting some food and seeing how all these different buildings and classrooms handle the social distancing guidelines. We'll be right back. Well, and how about testing? Has that gone smoothly? The university reports a pretty low positivity rate. They did that this week. How do you feel about those numbers and how UA has handled testing so far? So with student testing, students had the option of either getting tested at 13 statewide testing centers in Alabama. If you were an out-of-state student, you were supposed to be mailed a testing kit at home. They later found that there are some states where the university wasn't allowed to mail those testing kits. And so they had to create a third option of, well, you can get tested by a personal or private physician for COVID and upload those results. So I did the stateside testing at a site on campus. And basically what they had you do there was you were walked through by an official how to swab your own nose for COVID-19. So that was a little different from what they had with the faculty. The faculty they did, the full nasal swab was conducted by an official and faculty knew the results of the COVID test before they even left the testing site. Students, they had to take the samples and get them tested off-site, and those results were supposed to come within 48 hours. Some students got them within 48 hours. Some students were kind of waiting. The bigger concern was with out-of-state students, some students didn't get their testing kits mailed to them in a timely fashion. So when the university says, well, you have to get a negative COVID test before you arrive on campus, and you're expecting this free kit to come and you need it to come before you arrive on campus, it caused some confusion for students there as well and really making sure that they do test negative for COVID. For those students, it was, well, am I going to have to pay an out-of-pocket cost to get a test to attend the university? Is this test kit going to actually show up in my house? And if it does show up in my house, am I going to get it mailed back in time for me to get my results before classes start? So we're one day before classes. There are most students have gotten their testing results in and the university says that they're going to be doing random testing now on campus. I have not heard any plans of how they are going to try to do that. I don't know if it's going to be a stop a person on the street kind of, oh, let's test you now thing, or if it's going to be randomly emailing students, maybe saying, oh, we're going to schedule you for testing this day. There really haven't been plans to communicate how they plan to do random sentinel testing. And so this affects you in a couple of ways. You're a student, but you work for the Crimson White. You have a job to do in reporting what's happening on campus every day. What's the CW's approach to this? How are y'all operating? So we've been operating remotely since mid-March. We, none of us have really been inside our office building, and we've primarily switched to doing online coverage. So 
with summer, we had a bit of a skeleton staff with how many people were in Tuscaloosa available to cover certain Tuscaloosa events. We've also had reporters that have been able to switch to reporting fully remotely and didn't necessarily have to be in town to report on things that were going on in town. Like when we had city council meetings that were being broadcasted all online, there was no longer a requirement for our city council reporter to be necessarily in Tuscaloosa. So it's been a bit of an adjustment to fully focus on online and not have to worry about print, but we still have to operate under the same standards of making sure that we're reporting fairly on what's going on in the community, getting news out in a timely fashion, and really keeping the community informed. I'm really proud of the Crimson White and how we've adjusted to this, especially we've never really had a staff that's had to operate under a pandemic like this and had to completely switch how they publish news like this. I'm really proud of the other student reporters and the student editors that I work with and how we've been able to adjust to this. How did the spring semester end for you? That was obviously a little abrupt, how everyone left for spring break and then were basically told, don't come back. Where did that leave you and your fellow students and how did that impact the CW's work? Yeah, so at that point, the university was hesitant to say whether we were coming back to classes or not. They had taken the decision to extend spring break, but had told students that were living on campus, take as much as you need to, or as much as you can. I'm sorry. And they told students living on campus, move as much out as you can because they don't know when they're going to be back. So that really left a lot of students with a choice of, well, what am I going to do? Should I just go ahead and move home? Should I stay in Tuscaloosa? And I think a lot of the students with the Crimson White chose to move home. And it was an understandable decision at that point of, if you're going to shelter in place, it would make sense to shelter in place with your family. And I think now, as we're getting more students back, We're trying to incorporate ways of, well, how much in-person activities do we need reporters to do and how can we keep reporters safe in these situations? And especially when we look back at spring, we were able to maintain those standards while also making sure that students were being safe. That makes any sense. We've seen University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill switch to remote learning after just a week of starting in-person classes. Do you anticipate that happening here? I don't know that the University of Alabama would be as fast to act on it. I don't know that it would be like next week saying, oh, the university has switched to fully online classes. I think the University of Alabama is trying its hardest to maintain in-person classes. From what I've seen on campus, I do think that at some point there's going to be a cluster of students who get COVID-19. And it's going to be, it's really going to depend on how the university reacts to that cluster of students getting diagnosed with COVID-19, how they quarantine them, how they do contact tracing, and also how they deal with students who may live off campus and those students may be getting COVID-19. The university is currently scheduled to stop all in-person classes the week of Thanksgiving. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if we were fully online by early October, maybe mid-September. 
Hannah, thank you very much and good luck this semester. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me on. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.